Amen. Romans chapter 8. I had preached some through the book of Romans last year and spent quite a few services in Romans chapter 8 and uh, expounding throughout the entirety of the chapter. But for the last few days, I have read the first 16 verses several times and have gone over them. What plan on preaching it tonight, but it seemed like the Lord stirred my heart because these verses are where we live every day. This is where you are living just today. The need of your heart you'll find in these verses, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through verse 16 is what we want to deal with tonight. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Most Christians quote that verse and stop right there in the verse. And I know that if you're saved, if I... If you're saved tonight and born again, there is no eternal condemnation you're going to face as far as being condemned to an eternal hell. You're saved and you're sealed unto the day of redemption. But this chapter, this verse, that is not the doctrine that this verse is dealing with when it says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Finish the rest of the verse. Look what it says. Who? It's a qualifier. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The doctrine of no condemnation, the flesh versus the spirit. Now, if you're saved, if you're saved tonight, you are flesh and you'll struggle with the flesh, but you have the spirit of God living inside of you. The Holy Ghost lives inside of you. And the spirit of God speaks to you all throughout your day. Today, the spirit of God has done his best to try to lead you in the way of righteousness throughout this entire day. The Spirit of God, we know that there's two things tonight the Bible commands us not to do. We'll try to look at them if we can get to it by the end of the service. The Bible commands us to not quench the Spirit of God if you're saved. And the Bible commands you not to grieve the Spirit of God if you're saved. Two two New Testament Christians to the child of God. Not to quench him and not to grieve him. But the Bible says here that there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, we're going to see this word tonight, carnal. Carnal, which just means fleshly, after the flesh. So many Christians live their everyday life, though they're saved, they live after the flesh. They live carnal. You have a choice every day of your life when you wake up what you're going to do. Either you're going to Walk and live after the flesh, you're going to walk and live after the Spirit. That's a willful choice for you as a child of God. Just because you're saved, just because you're saved don't mean you just wake up and you're Spirit-filled and you're going to walk after the Spirit every day, all day long. Uh, You you are supposed to be a spiritual man. You're supposed to be a spiritually-minded individual. And if you're following after the flesh and if you're fleshly-minded and carnal-minded, You'll not be able to, you cannot, you cannot walk throughout your day and be spiritual if you're not striving to be spiritually minded. You'll not be spiritual because a carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject, Paul's going to tell us, to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So I'm looking at people tonight, if you're saved, you have a carnal mind and you have a spiritual mind. The spiritual mind is according to the the word of God, according to what the scripture says, what the Bible says. That's why the Bible tells us we must be renewed in the spirit of our mind every single day. Every day I have to be reminded of what the Bible tells me of how I'm supposed to please God. I've studied it. I know it. 
I'm a preacher. I study the Bible. I read the Bible every day, study the Bible. In my mind, I'm thinking about messages all throughout the day. My mind thinks about what I'm preaching next, where I'm going, what the Spirit of God wants. I'm meditating on the things of God. It's not the fact that we don't know Scripture. It's whether or not we choose to think on the Scripture. It's not that you don't know verses. It's not that you don't know what the Bible says. It just is whether you determine to live every day in the mindset, I'm going to think according to the word of God. When I am confronted with a situation, I'm going to be sure that I seek out in my mind, what does God think about this? What does the spirit of God want me to do? What does the word of God say about how I'm supposed to react, respond, or what I'm supposed to do or not do? That's what it means to be spiritually minded. If you're saved, you're supposed to wake up every day when your feet hit the ground and submit yourself to God, give yourself a living sacrifice, commit your body, a living sacrifice unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service is what the Bible says. Now, condemnation. So many Christians live under condemnation. The word condemnation means to be proven to be wrong. To be condemned or condemnation can mean to be proved to be guilty. To be worthless. Have you ever gone by a building or seen yellow tape put up around a house? You want to know why it's around there? It's unfit for you to go in. It's unfit to live in. Houses can be condemned. Buildings can be condemned. Unfit, unfit, declared to be unfit for use or service. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're living after the flesh, you're unfit for use and service for the Spirit of God. You're not fit. You're not fit. And if you look down to verse 13 of this chapter, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now that word mortify means to subdue, to bring into subjection, to restrain. In other words, I've got the members of my flesh want to sin. There is a law that Paul is going to tell me in this chapter, there's a law that works in my members. It's the law of sin. It's the law of death. I have a law in my flesh. My flesh is not righteous. My flesh is not born again. If you're born again tonight, it's not your flesh that's born again. Your flesh is not born of God. Your spirit is born of God. And so tonight, your flesh, there is a law. I've used the illustration over and over and over and over, and I guess I'll have to do it again tonight. Right now, watch church. There's a law that just took action. I I can drop it 10 trillion times, and the same law is going to take effect. The law of what? Gravity. If I sit around and say, I tell you what, I, ain't no way that law is going to get the best of this book. There's only one way the law, that, 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 that gravity still, it's still pulling. But I'm going to tell you this, I can break that law. I can keep it from doing what it's wanting to do. Something stronger than gravity has to take hold of the object to keep the law from taking effect. You know what your Bible says in this chapter, in verse 2? For the law of the spirit of life. There is a law that can make me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. 
When you got saved, when you got saved, something more powerful than the law of sin took up a boat in your heart, your soul, and your spirit. Your body became the temple of the Holy Ghost, but Almighty God, the Spirit of God, come to live inside of me. Now where I had no hope of ever, ever, ever conquering this law of sin. The law of sin every day took effect in my life, and I was going to sin, fail God. I could determine I wasn't going to do it again, and I had no power to overcome it. See, tonight, let me tell you something. Positive thinking can't make you walk righteous. Positive thinking. The world, you know, positive thinking. But we need biblical thinking. We need scriptural thinking. And you just cannot decide. See, if you're, if you're lost tonight, there's not a spiritual side to you. There's not a spiritual man. It's not a spiritual man. There's not, there's not that, that saved man. There's not the spirit of God living inside of you. All you are is but flesh. That's it. You're going to walk after the flesh and live after the flesh. The most miserable thing for an, for an individual is to be lost without God, sitting in a church, unregenerated, and trying to live the Christian life and blend in with everybody else who's saved. Lost man can't live the born-again life. It's impossible. He cannot do it. He can't. He can try, but he'll continually to fail miserably. But the Bible says there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. It is a choice who walk not what after the flesh, but after the spirit. I don't know that there's enough preaching anymore on the spirit-filled life. It's what we need. We need to be reminded to walk after the spirit. Now, I don't, believe in, I don't believe in a charismatic feeling of the Spirit of God. I know that I can get, and listen to me now, I can get down on my knees. Believe it or not, I don't, I, don't, I don't wake up in the Spirit too often. Some of you, let's just be honest, some of you this morning, you woke up and it took you five cups of coffee and an hour before you could talk to anybody. Some of you, you're, you're, you know, your spirit's more, you'll wake up and you're, you're ready to talk and go. And some of you, you wake up and somebody walks by and all you do is. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Isn't it amazing? Don't talk to me until I prayed and got with God. It's don't talk to me until I had coffee and woke up. Coffee makes you spiritual, right? Most of the time we don't wake up. Hey, I love it when I wake up with a song in my heart, in, in my mind. I love when I wake up and I'm thinking about the Lord. And as soon as I get out of bed and I go in there and I start brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden there is a hymn playing my heart or a song that's in my mind. And I, hey, I thank God for that. Thank God for that. And you cannot, I'm going to tell you this. You go to bed at night listening to the world's music. You're going to wake up with that on your mind. I promise you. You know, you can't sleep at night with the world. If you're doing that and you play country music or you play whatever else all through the night and you wake up and you say, preacher, I ain't never woke up with a hymn on my mind. Well, I wonder why. I wonder why. So many Christians live under condemnation because they continually walk after the flesh. Now, don't tell me that you don't feel condemnation in your spirit when you're walking after the flesh. Man, there's a condemnation. Fleshly, you respond in a fleshly way or you do something fleshly. Now, the moment you walk on and then all of a sudden, it maybe takes moments later for the Spirit of God to get a hold of and you go, man, I should not have done that. Man, why did I do that? 
See, there's a law of sin. You're saved, but there's a law of sin working in your members. And only the Spirit of God can make you free from that law of sin. Only the Spirit of God. And so tonight, I want you to know that if you'll choose to walk in the Spirit, you can have victory over the flesh. You cannot conquer the flesh by trying to, you know, positive thing. I'm going to defeat the flesh. I'm going to defeat the flesh. I'm going to defeat the flesh. You know, so many Christians have the idea, I'm, I'm going to battle against my, the wars against my flesh all day. And I understand the war. But I'm going to tell you, this, if we just choose to love God, walk in the spirit, meditate on the things of God, get ourselves in a spiritual mindset, guess what happens? The flesh don't win. Flesh doesn't win. So many Christians have the mindset, I'm, a, I, I, I'm battling and my mind's on flesh all day long and I'm struggling with flesh and it's this war against the flesh. I'm going to tell you, get along with God, turn on the right kind of music, read your Bible, pray, meditate, walk in the Spirit, meditate, let your heart get lined up with what the Lord wants you to do, according to the Scripture. We're, we're sinners, we're, we're, we're flesh. I, I was told today about a message and and, uh, you, you know, you can use the analogy or the situation. And, and our, our first, most time, our first thought about things many times is bent towards sin. Bent towards sin. And this preacher just used the illustration. If you walked into church tonight, and he used a 20, but I'm going to up the ante to a $100 bill. If you walked into the church tonight and you found a $100 bill, as soon as you, if it was laying in the parking lot, your first thought it, man, I sure hope I can find who lost this. Your first thought is, well, God just blessed me. Isn't that true? Man, I tell you, I've been praying and God just blessed me. Boy, you pick it up and you go, man, somebody, now, now you're in the spirit of God, so you know that belongs to somebody. Well, I mean, that's what you're doing, Lord. The hardest thing you'll do is, is listen, here's what we do. We come in and we say, preacher, this $100 bill was out there. Can you find out whose it is? And, and uh, if you don't, then I want it back. Most of, we're, we're bent toward, we, ha, we have to stop and say, what am I supposed to do that's right? Because sin grabs us. We're sinners. There's a law of sin in our flesh. It's in us. And... And we struggle with that. And the only way to overcome that, the only way to overcome that is choose to, to, to let the Spirit of God, if He lives inside of you, He's working. If He lives inside of you, He's talking to you. If He lives inside of you, He is going to help you. If He lives inside of you, He's going to speak to you on what righteousness is. Now that word quench, when it says let's quench not, let me talk to you about that. Look at 1 Thessalonians, we're coming back here to Romans 8. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, look at this. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, let me just read it to you. I want you to see where it's at in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, the Bible says, quench not the spirit. Now that word quench. Remember Brother Sammy Allen used to say, if something's on fire to quench it, you got to smother it. But the word quench means to still it, to quiet it, to repress it, to stifle it. You know what it means? The Spirit of God's talking to you, but you're not listening. To quench the Spirit of God is to quiet the Spirit of God in your life, not to listen to Him. Quenching. Now, if you're saved, one of the evidences that I know, there's so many of them according to the Bible, being saved and lost is after God saved me, 
Listen to me now. After God saved me, I repented and got born again. Immediately, something started to happen. Immediately, day one, that I never dealt with before. There was a still small voice talking to me and impressing my heart and my mind about things I should not do, things I should do. And there was something in me when I did, when I did things that all of a sudden now I, I felt this guilt and condemnation that I didn't feel before that. My conscience was, had been to become to be seared with a hot iron. When I lied before, it didn't bother me. Then all of a sudden after I got saved, I started lying. There was something he said, you shouldn't have done that. What did you lie? And I felt this. I felt, I felt, I felt, I could sense the spirit of God being, God being grieved with my actions. I didn't have that before. I'm just telling you, I didn't. And I couldn't, and I couldn't walk before that. Even if something bothered me, I, w- I would shut it up. I would shut, I would, my conscience, not listen to it. And you know what's amazing? The Spirit of God, you can quench him. He's still going to talk to you. You can try to make him be quiet. You can try to hush him. I don't, can't tell you how many times in my Christian life that all of a sudden I did something and, 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 and condemnation come to me and the thought of, of guilt and shame come to me and I try to just say, I'm not going to think about that. The Spirit of God said, you are going to think about that. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Because that'll head you down. Because let, let me say, let me say to you, the Spirit of God speaks with a still small voice. But even though he does, it is so loud at times, isn't it? It's almost like he's hollering at you. But it's a still small voice. And I want you, I want you to know this. So many times we want God to speak. You know, you think about the prophet of God uh, that that had to go. Uh, he, Elijah, he ran in the meat of that cake. And that water, and he ran, he got to, into the mountain, and you know, it all quaked, and the wind came, and the, and the earthquake, and all that stuff. God wasn't in all that loud shaking and the, and the loud wind. You know where, where God spoke to him at? In a still, small voice. What doest thou here, Elijah? Still, small voice. I'm going to tell you this. You've got to be tuned in daily. You've got to be tuned in daily if you're saved, wanting to hear what the Lord has to say to you. Don't quench him. Not only don't quench him, but the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, I want you to look at this, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this verse. It's a New Testament command to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Bible says, well, look at verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands that thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. What grieves him? Look at verse 31. Bitterness, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know what grieves him? Walking after the flesh. Sin grieves the Spirit of God. Grieve means to offend. Sin offends God. Sin offends the Spirit of God. It means to, do, to displease. It means to provoke. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy 
Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. We could read tonight, and if I get to the passages of Scripture, we'll read it. Here's things that offend the Spirit of God. Here's things that grieve the Spirit of God. We can read Colossians 4, Galatians 5, Colossians 3, excuse me, Galatians 5, other Scriptures that identifies the flesh. Here's what the Bible identifies as flesh, fornication, uncleanness, unclean thoughts, unclean words, unclean actions, unclean jokes, uncleanness, uncleanness, inordinate affection, it's affections that are out of order, not regular, to, to, ex, to an excess, uh, inordinate affections, affections that are out of order, evil concupiscence, covetousness. I do, listen to me now, covetousness grieves the Spirit of God. It grieves Him. Idolatry, covetousness, which is idolatry. Anger. There is an anger that is righteous. I'm going to tell you something. We try to justify our anger so much. Well, that bless God, that's a righteous indignation. Really? Because the Bible says be angry and sin not. When your anger and your anger makes you sin, it no longer is righteous indignation. We can be angry. We can be angry. There's certain things that I can see that it should anger us. Should give us a righteous displeasure and a righteous anger toward that. You know, if I see a sinner living in a sin, I see some horrible things, it should anger me. But never does it justify me treating him wrongly. With a wrong kind of spirit. Because of his actions. So anger, not only anger, the Bible talks about wrath. You know, that is, that is anger that comes into action with physical action that is a violence Wrath, wrath grieves the Lord. So I tell you what, preacher, I got angry. I got angry with my wife and I didn't hit her. Well, praise the Lord. I just put a hole through the wall. That's wrath. It's better the wall than them. That's wrath. And the Bible says not only that anger, wrath, but malice. That malice, that, that intent to want to get even. To get them back. And I don't know about you. That was one of the things I struggled with. Uh, as you know, it's kind of like the world. The world teaches you. The world ingrains in you. If somebody hurts you, hurt them. Somebody did you wrong, get them back. Somebody did something to you. Matter of fact, up the ante so they don't think about doing it again. Go further than what they went. You know, it's kind of like watching two kids. When I'm punch, you know, maybe one of them started punching. But, but you know, as always, I'm going to get the last hit. Type mentality. That's called malice. The intent of getting even. Somebody hurts you, and the, and the point is, bitterness is all, always another thing in the flesh that grieves the Spirit of God because what happens, this person did that, and you cannot let it go till you finally yourself feel it is appeased that you gave them justice for their deed, and now you can let it go. And then even whenever you do feel like you, you, you appeased and gave justice that you feel so good to get them back, still what they did to you still hangs on inside of you. You still got to tell everybody about it. It's called bitterness. Grieves the Spirit of God. I'm talking about these things, you know what I mentioned tonight? Every one of us have struggled with this. Every one of us. Not a man upon the earth that sinneth not. We're sinners. We're all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. You know the Pharisee and the publican. Pharisee and the publican. 
Remember the Pharisee? He's praying with himself, thus unto God. Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like other men. Lifting himself up. I thank you that I'm not an extortioner. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not an adulterer. Lord, I thank you. And he looks over at another man. Don't, probably don't even, never met him. Don't even know his life, but that man's down there. He sees a man smiting his chest, burdened down. I mean, won't even look up to God. You know what his natural response is? That fellow's worse than I am. He didn't see him do anything wrong. He just saw the spirit in which he was praying. You know what he said? Lord, I thank that. You know what the Bible says? Jesus spoke unto certain that thought themselves to be righteous. That trusted in themselves that they were righteous. You know what the Lord said? That Pharisee that prayed, that, that Pharisee, then you have the publican that prayed, God, all he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm a sinner. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid in our day that, that Christians no longer throughout their day take the time to confess their sin against God. They go all day long and hadn't confessed anything. They pillow their head at night and, and pray, Lord, thank you for your blessings. on And they've never take time to talk to God to get right what they've done wrong. I don't know about you today. Now, I do believe that you can go a day. I believe that, I believe that you can, if you choose to walk in the spirit, you not feel the lust of the flesh. I believe you can go all day long and have nothing to confess to God. I believe it's possible. Very few Christians do that very few times. Wish to God it wasn't the case. But for the majority tonight in this church, you have something today you need to confess to God and get right. All of us. I'm telling you, not your preacher. I had something I had to confess, get right with God today. What is it? <laughs> Same thing you have to deal with. I've had to tell the Spirit of God, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. When you go to prayer, and the first thing when you go to prayer is thinking about telling God how good you've been. Lord, I just want to tell you, I want to thank you. Boy, how I did this for you today, and I did that for you today, and I did that for you. That ain't, that, 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 that's not how I first go. To, I go to the Lord and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Then I do thank Him for victory. Thank him where he's helped me to overcome. Because the only reason I did any of those good things, he was my helper. He helped me. He helped me overcome this flesh. His spirit, he helped me. The spirit of God helped me mortify the deeds of this body. I can't mortify them on my own. Through the spirit of God, you mortify the deeds of the flesh. And I'm going to tell you, we need to keenly have our ears open. Have our ears open to the spirit of God when he is speaking to us. And so this, this Pharisee, this Pharisee, he did all the right things. Lord, I, I tithe. I fast. Well, a few times a week I fast. He has, he, let me tell you, now, let's be honest. He's got probably all of us beat. How many of y'all every week of your life fast a few days every week of your life? Every week. Anybody? I ain't raising my hand. Days? Most of the time we can only fast for hours. I like fasting from midnight to 6 a.m. <laughs> I do that almost every day. Fast twice a week? 
Don't eat anything twice a week. You know what I find about when I don't eat? Man, it... Well, I thought if I could just get something to eat, I'd feel better. Fast a couple times a week. Give tithe, give tithes of all of his increase. He's got, the man didn't even have the Spirit of God lost, justifying himself and living better in those areas than most Christians in this church. I tell you this, living better than this preacher. I don't fast twice a week. Tithes of all the, uh, make sure that I, I'm telling you, Though we do our best to give to the Lord and above what we're supposed to, I'm going to tell you, we've missed the mark at times, I'm sure. Stand before God and say, Boy, I have always tithed. And the Lord said, so I've been keeping the whole record, and you sure owe a whole lot. You know what's sad? In the church, most of the time, sometimes Christians have that same attitude. I'm so thankful I'm not like that person. We was all on level ground at Calvary. Sinners on our way to hell. You would not want your thoughts displayed on a screen that you've had this week. If we did, we'd all come walking in the church with our head down looking at nobody. I'm talking about from your pastor to every preacher in the church, to every Sunday school teacher in the church, to every choir member in the church, to every preacher boy in the church, to every old saint of God that you look at them and think they never do wrong. You don't want to know what they thought. You don't know why? We're sinners. You know what we need? We need help from God. I need the Spirit of God to help me every day. I will not walk in victory. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8? Look back at it. Romans chapter 8. The Bible says what's going to make me free from this law of sin is the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness, not in sinful flesh, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, you know what Jesus did? Condemned sin in the flesh. You know how he condemned it? Living righteous. Never sinning. He condemned sin in the flesh. What the law could not do. You know what the law couldn't do? Galatians 2.21. If there was a law that could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You know what the law couldn't do? Couldn't give me life. The law. Under the law, I had death. The law demanded my death because I broke the law. Under the law, Galatians 2.21 could not give me life. You know what the Bible says in Acts 13? That none of us could be justified by the law of Moses. Now through Christ we can be justified by the things the law of Moses could not justify us by. You know what else we find in Hebrews chapter 10? That the law could never make the comers thereunto perfect. The law could, hey, the law made nothing perfect. Keeping the law could not give me life. Keeping the law could not make me righteous. Because if you offend at one point, you're guilty of all. And not only that, under the law was not only the do's and don'ts, but under the law, there were sacrifices for sin. You know, the blood of bulls and goats could never, you know what the law couldn't do? Could never take away sin. Could never do it. What the law could not do. What the law could not do, the Bible says, the Spirit of God helps us do.
The law couldn't make me righteous. Now, there's a doctrine, there is a doctrine that certain Baptists, even independent Baptists believe, and, and they take the verse, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, it's faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They said, if you're saved, you never, that verse isn't for you. Because here's what they say, if you got saved, God forgave your past, your present, and all of your future sins. At the moment you got saved, they're all forgiven, so there's nothing you ever have to confess to God. He just sees you righteous and you please Him, and there's no grieving of God because it's just all forgiven. Well, you want to talk about taking one truth of the Bible and moving it and removing everything else that gives us sound doctrine and trying to live in this one little thing over here and don't take the scripture and let it come together and give us the truth. That's taught. That's taught out there. And so therefore there's, a, there's nothing for you to confess to God because he's forget why. I mean, you can't confess something he's already forgiven. You're talking to him about something he's already forgiven out there. I'm going to tell you something. Your relationship and your fellowship of God is absolutely based on the basis of you confessing your sin to God. You getting it right. Your, your fellowship of the Lord has to do with you identifying your wrongdoing, confessing it, and getting it right with God, repenting of it. If you're not doing that, l- let me say this. I'm afraid that m- most Christians are cumbered down. They don't even realize how cumbered down they are with unconfessed sin. I mean, cumbered down. You know, we've come to the place where we only comp- confess the big things, the big mess-ups, the mess-ups that are undeniable. We can't deny it. So, And then we only confess the things that we did to somebody else. They know it, so Lord, they know it. Lord, please forgive me. I did that. I hurt them, and they know it, or I said that to them, or I did this, or did that. Lord, I have, you know, I have, I have to confess that. How about the things that only you and the Spirit of God know about? You know what's wrong? Did you get it right? You know who the Bible says finds mercy of God? He that confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. 1 John 1 9 is not the idea of a Catholic confessional booth. Just confess it so it's forgiven, but you plan on doing it again. The confession is grieved. Spirit of God's grieved. You're grieved. You know it. You go to God to get it right. You confess it. You confess it with the idea of forsaking it. I'm not confessing it because, Lord, I plan on doing that tomorrow, but I want everything right between me and you until I do it again. That's not the idea in the verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak to the flesh, thank God that God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned in the flesh. Look at verse 4, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know, that's an amazing thing. That you and I have the ability with the Spirit of God to walk in the Spirit to fulfill the righteousness of the law. Lost man doesn't have that ability. Lost man doesn't have that capability. But Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus never sinned. And under the, the leadership of the Spirit of God, following the Spirit of God, obeying the Spirit of God, 
we can fulfill the righteousness of the law whenever we could before. All those, whatever it is tonight, if you're saved, and this, that sin that just seems to easily, continually beset you, we can have victory over that. We can. We can have victory. Victory is there for you to have. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to stop making provision for your flesh to do that thing. I've given you the illustration before. I've told you before. You know, I mean, many times we, 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 want to, we, we realize we shouldn't do it. And, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this thing I'm not supposed to do, and I tell you, this thing's always stumbling, you know, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put it right there behind that door. But I left the door cracked. You know, I go on, I go by and I come on and I go, oh man, it'd just be uh, so easy to just uh, do that. Uh, uh, you know, so many Christians spend their time battling their mind on this thing yeah. instead of getting their mind on God. Getting their mind on the scripture, getting their mind on spiritual things, getting their mind on, on loving the Lord and living right and being a witness. And so what happens for most Christians, they spend their day with this on their mind. They know it's there and it's pulling me. And I'm, I'm doing my best to stay away from it. And I'm doing my best to stay away from it. But it's there. Then they toy with it. And then they open the door and they look at it. And they're like, uh. Do you see what's happening? Your mind is not on the Lord. You've heard the illustration before. I've given I heard it from preachers. If I, if I told you tonight, do not think about a bowling ball. I said, do not think about a bowling ball. What are you thinking about a bowling ball for? I said, don't think about a bowling ball. And as long as you just keep saying, no, I ain't going to think about a bowling ball. I'm not going to think about it. Man, I want to go bowling now. <laughs> you know what you have to do if you're not going to think on something? You got to think on something else. That's why I said Philippians, think on these things. And he gives us a lift. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, things that are lovely. I mean, he gives us a lift. And if we'll think on the right things, we won't be thinking on the wrong things. Yes, so for the most part, and I'm going to tell you this. You know what you have to do? You say, preacher, I'm, 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 I, ain't, I ain't doing that. Well, I'll tell you what you do. Put it in there. Lock the door. Make it like a, a metal door. And I'll tell you what. Get you, get you hire you somebody. That, that knows how to weld and weld that bad boy shut. You know what? You go, I ain't no point messing with that. But you know what we do? We make provision. We make provision, fulfill the lust. It's there, it's there just in case nobody's around and I just want to get a little piece of it. That's how the flesh thinks. That's how my flesh thinks. That's how your flesh thinks. And so you cannot make provision for the flesh. Cannot. I said it to you months ago. I'll say it to you again. Brother Barry Rackley preaching a revival meeting at our church in the old church building before we ever come over here. He's preaching a revival. He made a statement I never forget. Never forgot. It's helped me so many times. He said when, when, when sin and lust comes knocking at your door, he said, you better not send a carnal man to answer it. He said, who better answer that door is a spirit-filled man. A carnal man can end up falling. You better send a spiritual man. 
He, made, he gave that analogy, made that statement, and I'm going to tell you, it, and that's been, man, that's been 14 years ago probably. 14 years ago. Remember, remember that statement very well. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You're going to have a struggle every day of your life, whether you're going to be after the things of the flesh, or you're going to be after the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Listen to me now. You're going to give ground to the devil in certain areas of your life that you're going to say it's not that big of a deal. Be careful. You'll compromise in areas that you'll say it's not that big of a deal. Carnally minded, and you want that carnal thing, and you justify that carnal thing in your mind, and you say it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to tell you that we we don't need to give the devil even an inch of ground. Not even a little bit of ground. To be carnally minded is death. To be on the flesh and the things of the flesh and on pride. You know what the list of the things that grieve God? Not only wrath, but malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth, lying, grieves the Spirit of God, bitterness, clamor, evil speaking, pride, foolishness, thefts, wickedness, lasciviousness, cursing, the lust of the eyes of the lust of the flesh. I mean, on and on we can go. The things that grieve the Spirit of God. Carnally minded. Carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded. If your mind, a spiritual mind, is life and peace. If we ever get to the place in our personal life that we want something so bad, no matter how small it is, that we don't care whether it affects our testimony to anybody else, that doesn't matter. That's just stupid. If that hurts my testimony, it just have to hurt my testimony. I want this fleshly thing so bad that if people think that about me and they don't want to listen to me preach anymore, or they just don't think, you know, whatever. Just that's just that's just on them. That's a, that that is a carnal mindset in itself. If I knew that there was something that was going to beset my testimony of affecting you when I'm preaching, I'm not. I, I'm going to deal with that thing and say, you know what? I know nothing's wrong with that. But for all your weak consciences, I will make sure that I don't become a stumbling block and a hindrance. And I know you can say, preacher, well, if this person and that person, everybody, in the world, I'm not talking about being stupid. No, no, no. Just understand what I'm saying. There are certain things that you don't want to hurt your testimony with. Just is it certain things that you don't want to hurt your testimony, and it does matter. It does matter because we're supposed to commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Bible says, "They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh." Verse five. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. If we if we are walking in the spirit, we're going to be more sensitive to those things that grieve Him. And if we're choosing to walk after the spirit, you know what happens? Our spirit becomes pliable to what he wants us to do. Yes, and the Bible says, be carnally minded as death, spiritual mind is life and peace, because a carnal mind is enmity against God. 
For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Look at this. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. You know what he's saying? If the spirit of God's in you, is he? This question, is the spirit of God in you? Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if you live after the spirit, you shall die. But if you through the, if you live after the flesh, excuse me, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know what he's going to do? Lead you away from flesh. You know what he's going to do? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The Spirit of God's going to lead you in the fruits of righteousness. So if you're saved, he's going to lead you into righteousness. Isn't that what verse 2 is all about? Christ came, what, in verse 3, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That we can obey God and please God by what he's told us to do. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of adoption again to fear. Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. For the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you're saved, the spirit of God's going to let you know that you're saved. If he's in you, he's going to be there. There's going to be no doubt. He's going to bear witness with your spirit that you are saved, that you are born again. Every head bowed, every eye closed.